going up a switchback. On my left is a really low rock overhang. It's really, really deep. It goes really pretty deep into the hillside. And it's really dark in there. I thought I saw some eyes. I don't know. I'm just going to keep going. So I look up again, and then I see two bear cubs. I freak out and hyperventilate. I'm like, oh my God, I just passed their mom. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Adventure Deficit Show, where we're always on the lookout for new stories and the life lessons they might hold. Join me, your host, Drew DeVries, as we embark on today's journey to combat the deficit. Today we've got Myrna Valerio joining us. Myrna is uh, a teacher. She's a global ambassador for the Merrill Company, and uh, she's an ultra runner. Myrna goes by the tag Myrnavator on social media, and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about her background, her uh, her early life, and then Myrna has agreed to share an adventure story with the community. Uh, that entails a life lesson. So um, let's go ahead and get started. Myrna, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. So Myrna, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, again, my name is Myrna Valerio, or if you are a Spanish speaker, it's Myrna Valerio. Um, I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. I was born in the late 80s, <laughs> late 80s child. And nice. uh, I um, was born in, um, or I was raised in the neighborhood of Bushwick, Brooklyn, which is currently home of gentrification and hipsters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because now I can get a bottle of wine if I need to. <laughs> I don't have to travel to Manhattan to do it. Nice. Anyway, <laughs> um, I didn't have many friends outside of my family. And, um, so yeah, I was on my own a lot, um, which I think makes a lot of sense to me now as an adult. Um, uh, I'm still introverted, but not shy anymore. But one special thing about elementary school, um, was that during elementary school is when I went to camp for the first time, went to sleepaway camp for the first time. And it was a camp that was, um, for urban kids and it was on a sliding scale um, so d depending on what our economic so uh, circumstances were. And so I got to go to camp for four weeks. And that was, I have to say, that was one of the experiences that um, changed the trajectory of my life in terms of the outdoors, in terms of loving the outdoors, in terms of being an urban kid um, who found a place in the outdoors. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a, a turning point for me. Yeah. Um, How old yeah. were you when you, when you went I, to this camp? I was eight years old. Okay. Um, and I was so excited to leave home <laughs> and to leave Brooklyn and to try something new. And, uh, it was four weeks of adventure. Uh, I remember the, the first, the very first day, and I actually debated on telling this story as my adventure story, but <laughs> but I'll tell another story. But um, the very first day, we went on a stream hike, and I actually signed up to go on a stream hike. I had no idea what a stream hike was, 
I didn't want to do crafts. I didn't want to play in the rec center. <laughs> I didn't want to sit around the fire. I wanted to do something exciting and new and something that I knew nothing about. And so I went on a stream hike at night. Yeah. Uh, and with, you know, a bunch of other kids, there were about 10 of us from um, from all over the uh, New York City area, from all over the five boroughs. And um, it was terrifying. <laughs> you know, we are out in the country. There are no lights. The only people that have lights are the two counselors with their headlamps. And they were they use them very sparingly. OK. And uh, you know, took us on this hike. We're in the stream. So we're getting wet. It's getting darker and darker. And there are all these sounds from nature. There are these, there are crickets and there are other sounds, things rustling in the woods, things, and, you know, jumping in and out of the water. You know, again, terrifying. <laughs> right. Someone. Because up to this point, you've, you've never heard these noises, right? I've I mean, these are all foreign. Maybe, maybe a cricket or two. <laughs> right. But you're used um, to the bustling city. Right. Exactly. We're used to sirens and, and cars and people screaming, uh, kids running around. Uh, but this was absolute silence. It was it was so silent. It was palpable. Oh, and, wow. uh, and and we could we could hear ourselves amplified um, in the forest and in the water. So we um, we were in this group and we we're all new to each other. We didn't know each other. We didn't really know the counselors. Again, it's the first night of camp. Um, lots of emotions running around through everyone's heads, and uh, and it was that sort of experience that 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 experience of being together, not knowing what was happening, but also knowing that I was safe within this group of people, um, and being frightened, but being really excited to try something new. Um, it was that. I think that single experience, that single night, that that really, really changed my life because it was so cool. It was it was so cool to be in complete silence, um, listening to the water. And like we stopped in a dark culvert at one point, and uh, we listened to the water rushing over the um, like the the rugged or the corrugated steel of the culvert. We listened to things outside. Um, the counselors had brought with them wintergreen lifesavers and chewed on them in the dark. So that was another cool thing <laughs> that, you know, it's, you know, it's always light. There's so much light pollution in the city that you can't yeah. do something like that unless you're in your apartment. Right. <laughs> so just all um, kinds of mind blowing new sounds, textures, yeah. uh, exactly. all of it. Mind blowing is the word. <laughs> mind blowing. And, you know, and then I became addicted to that. I became addicted to that feeling of being out in nature and, you know, having this, um, this, this high level of excitement and, uh, you know, and being terrified at the same time. <laughs> so that was your so, first, that was your first major brush in with what the outdoors could provide you as far as solace and, and just something other than what you were so accustomed to, which is noise pollution, light pollution in the hustle and bustle of downtown Brooklyn, right? Yep. 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 Exactly. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, and it was like that for the next four weeks. Um, you know, I kept having these new experiences, these new encounters, meeting people coming out of my shell a little bit, but also being, um, being fortunate enough to have lots of quiet time and lots of reflection time even though when i was eight i didn't know what reflection was <laughs> right um, but i yeah and that's that's what sold me yeah okay that no that's yeah. great so then when you got home from your four-week stint what was the name of that camp do you remember 
the name of the camp, and I cannot find it anywhere online, was called Camp Knowing You, N-O-I-N-O. Camp Knowing You. So you get back from four weeks of Camp Knowing You, um, and you dive right back into life as you knew it beforehand. Um, what, uh, what was that like, trying to readjust and, and kind of lamenting the, uh, the departure of your, your f- four weeks of newfound life? Sure. Uh, I didn't want to get off the bus. <laughs> I didn't want to get off the camp bus. Uh, and I was crying. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and my mom thought somebody had been bothering me. And I, I just didn't want to get off the bus because I didn't want to go back home. Even though home was great. Home was, you know, home was home. Um, and I loved home. But I had found this new experience and this, uh, this new group of friends that I was never going to see again. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was, that was hard. Um, so it it was the transition back home was, was pretty difficult. And I was still on camp schedule. I would get up super early and go to bed really early and, and expect Oreo cookies at 8 a.m., 8 p.m. And, uh, um, so it, but you know what, I, you know, I have a really active mind and a really active imagination. So it was easy for me because I was you know, always in my head all the time. So it was easy for me to sort of check out from the city and be thinking about camp all the time, which is something my son does. <laughs> he goes to camp <laughs> and he goes to camp every single year <laughs> and he just all year just talks about camp. But that's, but that's how I felt. I love the experience so much that I would, I would constantly think about it and constantly yearn to do it again. I didn't, I never got a chance to do it again. Right. It sort of one and done thing, but um, it, yeah, I, I still have, excellent memories of, of when I was there. So camp knowing you has a profound impact on young Myrna Valerio. Uh, yes. and there's always something to return to in the mind of, uh, of eight, nine, 10, 12 year old Myrna. Um, camp has, has always represented that, that magical place, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What were, uh, what were your high school years like? Middle school, actually, it was where I had two more awesome experiences. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Let's not jump the, ahead then. Uh, I went to a gifted and talented school and they had all these really incredible trips for us to go on. Again, for urban kids from Brooklyn, um, we went twice to the Adirondacks and camped out for long weekends with our teachers. Um, oh, cool. And yeah, those were other experiences that again, sold me, continued to sell me on the notion of it was okay to be outdoors and to sort of have an outdoors lifestyle and to love the outdoors. So, um, you know, those, those two experiences also had a a profound impact on me, even though they were very short. Um, I learned the skill of (laughs) self-reliance. You know, I learned how to camp. I learned how to feel safe in a lean to, (laughs) uh, sleep in a sleeping bag when it was, you know, 20 degrees out. <laughs> oh, okay. So there was some, there was some tangible, tangible woodsmanship, uh, curriculum involved with, with yes. these trips. Okay, cool. So you're learning how to set up shelters, build fires. Yes. Stay warm. Um, I'm still not an expert fire builder. Uh, one time, one, one time out of 10 it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, and, and, and during those trips anyway, we went on very long hikes. I don't remember what the mileage was on those hikes. But it was cool to know that we could go out and walk all day and, be, and like, survive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, there were probably, like, you know, maybe 10-mile maybe hikes. But we would go out, we'd leave in the morning, have a 
a day pack full of food and drinks and snacks and whatnot. And we'd come back at around five or six and, um, you know, having taken a long lunch break somewhere at some river or something and, uh, you know, shooting a shit with, with each other sure. and, uh, you know, and with our teachers who it, it was cool to see outside of school, uh, doing these things. Oh, like, wow. They, they like this. They like camping. They like, making sandwiches for 50 kids. <laughs> you know? They like leading hikes. It was really, really awesome. Yeah. Get them kind of out of their, their element a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Cause they, you know, they were urban people too. Yeah. Uh, and many of them had grown up in the city themselves. So, <laughs> so it was, it was just a cool thing to see. Um, Some shared learning experience with, mm-hmm. with teacher and pupil, right? That's yeah, cool. Yep. Um, and then, um, in high school, I went to boarding school. It was an all-girls boarding school called the Master's School. It was very small, uh, about just under 250 kids. Okay. And, uh, and as far as being a musician, <laughs> which we talked about before, uh, I started singing classical music in high school in addition to being on a sports team for the first time. Okay. In ninth grade. Yeah, I started taking voice lessons in ninth grade, and I also joined the field hockey and lacrosse teams. Um, I had never, ever been part of any kind of sports team before. I had never done any organized sports. And the first day that we were there, and actually my, my mother um, had brought me to school, um, and, uh, you know, it was all new, again, an all new experience for me. I'm at a boarding school. I'm away from family. Um, and I was asked to try out for a team. And, uh, so I said, "Hmm." I looked over at the soccer field. They looked like they were having a tough time at it. (laughs) I said, uh, I won't be doing that. (laughs) But I looked over at the field hockey team and they were just, you know, hanging out, chatting. I said, that's what I want to (laughs) do. I didn't know, uh, what I was in for. Uh, I went over to the field hockey team and after they did introductions, we, um, had to do five loops around the field hockey field. Now I had never had to run (laughs) that far (laughs) at all with, um, and, and, you know, and I, they added a, a stick, a field hockey stick and a ball. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing, but we had, we had to do four loops, and <laughs> um, I felt like I was dying. Okay. Uh, because, again, you know, you know, when you're from the city, you do short sprints. You're running up and down the block. You're playing tag. You're playing Mother May I. You're doing things like that. And so anything sort of extended beyond 100 meters or even 100 yards uh, is, is pretty – it's tough. <laughs> Brand new. Whole new world again, A right? whole new world. Uh, that is the story of my life. Every day, every day is like a brand new thing. <laughs> and um, so we did that, and uh, I thought I was done warming up, and um, that wasn't it. <laughs> we had to do a mile, a timed mile after that. And, you know, again, for somebody who would only ever run up and down the block, playing with their cousins and, and you know, friends from the block, that was uh, – it, it was difficult. And, uh, and I didn't have any point of reference for what a mile was. Right. And, and it lasted forever. It felt like a day, even though it was 15 minutes for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But that was, I mean, that was just, yeah. that was a monumental amount. I mean, that was, that was huge, right? And, yeah, going, and you go out too fast and, and then you can't breathe. <laughs> and then you think you're dying and then you have to do it again. And it's, and it's not over until it's over. Uh, and then you see all these people who 
um, all these other students who were used to doing that. You know, they, oh, a mile, okay, I can do that. And, you know, they're doing seven-minute miles. Some were doing six-minute miles. And I and I just, I had no idea. I was like, how are they doing this? <laughs> um, and we had a really tough two-and-a-half-hour practice after that. Okay. And, you know, there was something in it that I loved. I loved, I was challenging myself, and I hurt. And things were, it seemed impossible. Things seemed impossible. Running up and down the field with with a stick and a ball, doing suicides. That was the first time I'd ever heard of those. Um, and that, that's kind of emblematic of, of my entire life. You know, I, there are all these sorts of things thrown at me, and I love it. I love the newness of things. Um, and I love jumping in headfirst, yeah. um, even though I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> High school Myrna is um, charged up by new experience. It sounds like, in, in a few words or less, it sounds like you had gravitated toward the most life change that you could jam into one small little slot and you drank from that fire hose until, <laughs> until you found a new one, right? Yes. I love your philosophical summaries, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I love them. But just, I mean, if you're going to make a change, do it all. It sounds yeah, like, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> High school was when I became a full person. Um, because it was small, because... I got to try everything that I was interested in, uh, and because I was, that was sort of the expectation to try different things. The world is your oyster, and I learned that, and I really internalized that message. And actually, later on, went back to teach there. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, what was, what's the name of that boarding school? The, the name of the school is the Master's School. Okay. When I went back, I taught middle school music, and then uh, for a couple of years, and then I went on to teach Spanish at another school. I went to college afterwards. I went to Oberlin Conservatory of Music and Oberlin College of Arts and Sciences, where I got two degrees. I got a degree in Spanish, and I got another degree in vocal performance. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really play – I didn't play any sports in in college because I was kind of um, discouraged from doing that anyway. Yep. And uh, so I didn't. But I, I stayed very active throughout college. Um, I ran a lot. I swam. Um, I biked. I, you know, I, I wanted to stay moving, um, even though I was really busy with doing two degrees and I actually finished early. I finished the semester early. Wow. Uh, yeah. And thank you APs in high school. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, and then after college, I went on to work in corporate America. Okay. Uh, uh, the money was great. But the people were not my cup of tea. Hmm. So <laughs> I decided to try teaching. And that's when I got into teaching uh, at the master school. Um, and I taught piano lessons. I taught voice lessons. I taught middle school music. Um, and that I loved it. I loved after three days of really doubting my decision to <laughs> become a teacher, I grew to love it because I love the, the kids. I loved working with students and I love, especially that they, they were impressionable. And then I could also be myself yeah. uh, in a private school situation. And uh, in, in that school anyway, I was allowed to be my full self all the time. And, uh, and that's why I've, you know, I've been in education for 18 years now. So <laughs> um, I have always appreciated that that aspect of teaching at an independent school yeah that seems like it fits with your character i'm skyping with myrna and um one cool thing about being able to see somebody and and um interact with them catch all of their their little nuances and and actually um 
just become part of a more enriched conversation as I can, I can already get a, a good sense that Myrna is, uh, entirely fed by human relationships. And I can tell that, uh, teaching would be a good fit for you. I would, I would imagine you're a very effective, a very good teacher. So I'm all right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I love, I love my students and I love my colleagues and, um, you know, my work family and, yeah. yeah, that's my lifestyle. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, thank you for providing some of that background info. I think that just kind of helps us put uh, put your life in perspective a little bit, and kind of just paints the right the right amount of detail for the mind's eye of our listeners uh, before you tell us an adventure story. Hey, thanks everyone for listening to our podcast. Adventure Deficit's mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire you through these stories and the life lessons they hold. We can't wait to see you get out there in pursuit of your own adventures and combat the deficit. We need your help in achieving this, and there's several ways you can get involved. First, if you're listening to this, you probably already know we're on iTunes under Adventure Deficit, but be sure to click subscribe. This way, our new episodes will automatically appear in your download queue and we'll know how many of you we're reaching. We'd love to see your feedback on there too, so feel free to post a note and let us know how we're doing. Our main website, www.adventuredeficit.com, which serves as a base camp for all of our content, is where we'll post notes from each episode, including timestamps from the highlights and direct links to any gear or information that you might want to revisit. There are gear reviews and short stories from other exciting adventures not featured on the podcast. Under support, you can either buy stuff or donate to the show. A special thanks to those of you who have already bought t-shirts or donated to us directly. This revenue enables us to continue producing content, so think about helping us in that way too, if you can. Finally, you can connect with us on social media. Our Facebook page is at the Adventure Deficit. Give us a follow, or we're on Instagram too, under Adventure Deficit. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Cheers. Um, it sounds like Myrna's got uh, a big heart for new experience, and she strikes me as a yes gal. Uh, she's just kind of somebody who's down to uproot everything she knew about any one given area in order to charge into another one. Um, so with that being said, Myrna's got an adventure she's going to share with the, the Adventure Deficit community. Let's go ahead and... Uh, combat the deficit. Myrna, what is the adventure story that you're going to share with our community today? Okay. (laughs) It's a story about the bears. Um, (laughs) I, even though I live in the country, I live in North, the North Georgia mountains. Um, I am always at my core, a city girl. (laughs) Okay. So when I come upon when I come upon uh, things in nature, sometimes I, I, I still am astonished and terrified sometimes. So uh, even though I've been, you know, I've been an outdoors person for a really long time. So in 2015, yep. I, on a whim, with a friend of mine, signed up for a race called the Double Tap slash Double Top 50K. And I have this annoying penchant for not doing any research on the races that I sign up for because I don't want to psych myself out. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't want to see that there are like a million 
my a million feet of elevation change. <laughs> I don't want to see that. I want to, you know, when I get there, that's when I want to confront whatever challenges I have to confront that day. Okay, fifty uh, k. That's that. Okay, so we're talking about an ultra marathon here. This is an ultra marathon, and I had done. I had done two ultras by this point. Okay. And I was looking to finish my, I was looking to do my third. Um, and this would be my second uh, down south. Because my first had been in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and I, I said, hey, Kelly, that was my friend. I said, you know, let's do this 50K out in Fort Mountain, Georgia. Okay. So she's like, sure. She comes over, she picks me up. Uh, we head out to the race and it's pouring the entire time. It's about a three-hour drive, pouring the entire time. We're, we're going up and down mountains uh, in North Georgia. Um, and those roads can be really, really scary. Sure. <laughs> there are no guardrails. Yeah. Uh, you're used to driving with guardrails. You probably don't want to drive down here. <laughs> um, and uh, so if we finally we get to our hotel. We're hanging out at the hotel. And I finally ask her what so what's this race like what what are we doing she's like oh it's nine thousand feet of elevation um it's a, this guy this race director is supposed to be you know he's supposed to be a sadomasochist um but we're gonna have a great time right <laughs> sure we're gonna have a great time <laughs> we, i'm like okay i you know i don't know what i just got myself into but sounds okay. miserable i'm in yeah yeah and, and, it was miserable. We get up the next morning. It's pouring. We have to go over another mountain to get to get to whatever other mountain we were supposed to be on. And uh, what time's the race start? The race started. I think it was six or seven. I don't even remember. But it was still pretty dark out. Okay. It was April. Yeah. Of that year, and uh, you know, it's wet. It's dark. Um, the the race director. We're standing out there. Uh, it's pouring, and he's. <laughs> Speaking softly, he's like, uh, go this way, go that way, uh, go up, go down, uh, follow your instincts. <laughs> that sort of thing is, you know, the, the typical ultra pre-race talk. Okay. And, and I'm like, okay, whatever, let's just do this. Um, we, he says, go, because, <laughs> you know, there's not a big fanfare at any ultra. <laughs> it's not, you know, 10, 9, 8, it's okay. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. <laughs> so we all go. And there are people out there already doing 100 milers and 50 milers. How many so people, the last group to go. How many people was, are, are up at the start? It was a very small race. You know, it, it probably wasn't more than 40 people. Okay. Um, again, there, there were people already out there. And this race was known to be very, very difficult, which, you know, I had just found out. Just learned that. <laughs> the night before. And <laughs> so there weren't a whole lot of participants, and I could see why as I as I started to run, as I turned into the uh, onto the trail, uh, it was it was difficult from the from the get go. Um, and I was already tired. I let me back it up a little bit. I was uh, I was the choral director at school. I was also the director of diversity. Uh, I also taught Spanish, and I coached varsity cross country, and I also did. The musical direction of the school musical. So this is where I was um, mentally in terms of my fatigue level. Okay. Uh, um, hadn't slept that much all year. Yeah, you're not prepared <laughs> so, for this. Yeah. Not not physically, I was prepared, but I was not mentally and emotionally prepared. Okay. Um, 
Um, and so it's, it's again, really difficult, very, very hilly, um, pretty technical. Yeah. And, uh, and I was tired. I was, at the, you know, I was starting to back anyway, but I was in the back the entire time of the, the 50K. Um, the 50K that I didn't finish. <laughs> I decided 16 miles in that I was not going to finish and that I would finish. There was a part of the, a part of the course where you had to go back to the start anyway and start, uh, and do a 10 mile loop to finish the 50 K. And so I decided that I would, I would finish at 20 miles. I was done. I didn't need the miles. Um, and I knew that I probably wouldn't make the cutoffs and I wasn't going to try. <laughs> yeah. and it was getting pretty, pretty late in the day, 16 miles in, uh, I said, okay, well, let me just, let me just finish these four miles and I'm going to, and I'm just going to wait for my friend Kelly to finish. And she finished her first 50 K that day. Uh, oh, which cool. Was awesome to see. Yeah. And, uh, so you, and so, you DNF'd? Yeah, I DNF'd and you know, I didn't feel bad about it cause I was tired and I, I was like, you know what? I've already proven myself, but proven to myself that I can do a 50 K. Um, so you know, today's not the, today's not a, not the day to do another one. And I'm totally fine with that. I got great mileage in. I'm just going to finish these last four miles. Okay. I, I get to mile 18. <laughs> uh, I reach an aid station, and the guys, the aid station volunteers, are a bit drunk at this point because it's late in the day. I was so <laughs> slow. Uh, and I'm, and, and there, there's a fork in the road. And they say, well, um, I said, which way? And I'm thinking one way is uh, clearly uphill. The other way is flat and then downhill. And uh, I say, which way? Hoping to God that they would say, go to the right. Go downhill. But they said, right, which is a downhill. They say, well, if you go to the right, um, a dog's going to chase you and you might get shot. But if you go to the left, <laughs> you can make your way back up to the start. So um, in addition to the uh, the topography, as far as up and down and technical trail, you've got dogs, guns, and, and drunk dogs, race, guns, oh, race right, volunteers. You are in Georgia. <laughs> okay. And, you know, and so I'm like, oh, shit. Fine. They're like, you know, it's two miles uphill. We, you know, but it's two miles. So you got this girl. Okay. So, so I said, fine. Uh, and I grabbed a swig of beer from one of them. <laughs> IPA, of course. Okay, yeah, and, sure. Uh, <laughs> and so I started up the switchbacks. It was it was about a mile and a half of switchbacks, pretty steep switchbacks. And uh, I'm super tired, you know. And at this point in the race, I uh, I just wanted to get back to the start so I could wait for my friend Kelly. Okay. Um, who I knew was like on her last ten mile loop, and um, I'm up going up a switchback. On my left is a really low rock overhang. It's really, really deep. It goes really pretty deep into the hillside. And it's really dark in there. I thought I saw some eyes. Oh, man. I said, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to keep hiking really fast <laughs> because that's really scary looking. I don't know what's in there. It could be some kind of, you know, some unsavory people. It could be an animal. I don't know. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. At this point, you're kind of whatever about any, any sort of external variable, right? I mean, cause you've done 18 miles and you're ready well, to go. You know, it was scary. It was scary. So I said, you know, let me get out of here, but I just, I just want to get home. Like the, my main focus was getting back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was scary in itself. But then about, uh, I want to say about a quarter of a mile, maybe less than a quarter of a mile away from that low rock overhang. 
I look up and see shadows. And it's, you know, trail runners, hikers, backpackers, we all we are always seeing shadows. And it usually is just a shadow of a tree or something. And I said, well, it's just a shadow. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to keep hiking. Because yeah. uh, at this point, it's all uphill. I don't run uphills. <laughs> okay. <Ever. laughs> okay. And um, so I look up again. And then I see two bear cubs. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. I stop in my tracks. I freak out and hyperventilate. I'm like, oh my God, I just passed their mom. That's what I saw under that rock over Oh, under the, the ledge. Yes, that's what I saw. And I, you know, everything is coming together. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die because they're right on the trail. They're yeah. on the switchback a little bit ahead on the trail. So now you realize that not only your mind's not playing tricks on you, but those two cubs are separated by you from yes, their mom. Separated by me from mom and that's not a good situation right so i not a good situation at all and so i try to remember everything that i'd learned about what what to do when you encounter bears yeah of course um and then i'm like oh is it is it what do i do when it's black bears or, or grizzlies but there are no grizzlies but are you supposed to play dead are you supposed to look bigger i forget <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and then i just but the one thing that really um that's that I've learned about myself is that when confronted with danger, um, I freak out a little bit, but then I get really, really calm. Okay. Uh, because I have to, I have to clear my mind in order to figure out what I'm supposed to do next. <laughs> That's good. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, I get really calm. I know I'm like my adrenaline is, is, is coursing through my body. Um, but, uh, but what, what that does for me is it makes me completely calm and completely focused. And so I pick up a big rock. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't that big. <laughs> it was about the size of my palm. And some, like, stupid stick <laughs> that was at the side of the trail. And I started yelling at the bears, go away. I just want to go home to my boy. Go away. I was, yeah, at this point, my, my kid was uh, 12, I think. Uh, yeah. And he was at home with the babysitter. Okay. I just want to go home. Go away. Stop. Just go. Go. Um, I know your mom is right there, but just go. <laughs> and I'm talking to them like they can understand me. <laughs> yeah, you might as well be uh, speaking Spanish to them. <laughs> right. And then, um, and then I look around and it's completely silent. Even though it's a race with other people on the course. Remember, I'm all the way. I'm at the back of the 50k, and there are other hundred milers on the course. But yeah, you, know, you could be a tenth of a mile away from somebody and feel completely alone in yeah. the forest. Okay. Um, and so that's how it was. And I and I actually, when I got when I finished, um, the next person didn't come in until a half an hour later. So I was completely alone. Um, so uh, I looked around and it's completely, it's really quiet. Mm. It's really quiet, and I could hear the birds. I could hear things rustling in the trees. I could feel. I could hear this water coming uh through a culvert um under the under the trail that just let the water off the side of the hill i could um i could hear everything yeah everything and nothing i could hear my own breathing um and then i said well you know i'm gonna try to whistle and see if anybody responds to me and i had a little whistle attached to my backpack it was a nathan uh nathan hydration pack okay and so I'd never used it before. I didn't realize it was so quiet. 
<laughs> so I started tooting a little ditty. I was like, doo, 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 doo. And, it's, and it was surreal because birds started answering my whistle. It was, and, and <laughs> you know, I felt like I was um, Katniss Everdeen <laughs> and Hunger Games because the birds started, um, they started repeating my, um, you know, whatever I whistled, do, 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 and then I would hear, do, 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 do. <laughs> it was so crazy and cool and, you know, again, completely terrifying. Yeah. Here I am all by myself. At least I thought I was all by myself. Yeah. In between a mama bear and her two cubs. And yeah. they, were, they weren't tiny cubs. They were adolescent cubs, probably. Okay. Um, no one answered. I'm like, you know, I felt like I was on a, in a movie or something. Is anybody here? Anyone? 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 Yeah. Is there an echo? <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to, I have to keep going because I, I need to, I need to finish. Well, I need to, you know get to the start so I can be off the trail and uh and you know whatever happens happens <laughs> so you I mean at this point are these cubs still in front of you are they they're in front of me they're looking at me they're on their hind legs you know kind of checking you checking out me out oh man know, making, making little bear cub noises okay uh, which in hindsight I thought was really cool <laughs> uh, and they were beautiful bears they had this ebony this really shiny ebony fur Oh, cool. And they were just looking at me, and I'd never seen bears, you know, aside from being in a zoo, that close up. Yeah. And and I knew that if I continued, I would go around the bend. They they actually were not right on the trail, I realized a little bit later, but they were right smack in the middle of a switchback. Oh, okay. So I would go under them, and then I would go above them. You'd have to pass them twice. Yes, which is, you know, great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I... I had my stick and my and my rock in my hand, and I just decided to keep going because what else could I do? Right, yeah. I mean, if you stand um, my, still, right? chances are mom's coming around, and she's going to find you talking to her cubs and not be so happy uh-huh. with you, right? Yep, and I did not want that to happen, no. so I continued on. And the, the really funny thing was that I decided to make as much noise as I could and, you know, waving my rock and stick in the air and telling them to go away, leave me alone. But yeah. I was also singing Rihanna. <laughs> I was singing a song <laughs> by Rihanna, like yelling it at the top of my lungs. <laughs> so which which song did you go with? It was uh, Umbrella. So hard, but so hard, yeah, so hard. <laughs> and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> so hard, so hard. <laughs> nice. I don't know why that song was in my head. I didn't have a, and it wasn't on any of my playlists or anything. Uh, but that, that's the song that came to mind. And, um, and so I got closer to the bears. They continued to watch me and check me out. They held and, their ground. They didn't. They, they held their ground. Oh, wow. And they, you know, didn't, didn't run away. They, um, and the, the mama bear didn't come after me. Um, but I, I, I wasn't running. I was hiking, but I had never hiked that fast in my life. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I, I kept my eye on them as I went under them and also as I went over them and they were still checking me out, still looking at me just out of curiosity. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, once I was, once I was clear, um, I finally, uh, finally got onto the service road where I would, the where I run downhill yep. for about two, two uh, a quarter of a mile and then finish. High tail it out of there. Oh yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and that and I was still I was still like 
shaking and nervous with both excitement and fear. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, um, because, you know, it wasn't just one bear. It wasn't two bears. It was three bears. Yeah. And, and uh, everything that you know now, obviously, well, you might have known then, but that's right, not right. The, that's not the type of scenario you want to uh, if you're going to view bears, if you're going to have an encounter with a bear, you're better off to have an encounter with one. And with uh, one. Exactly. <laughs> if you're going to have an encounter with mama and cubs, you better hope that they're all on the same side of you, because if you walk between them. Uh, chances are you're going to have a nasty encounter. So that's right, probably right. raining pretty high on your uh, on your radar. Yeah, it was unnerving. And uh, but you know, it was but what was incredible though was that I was able to just kind of shut everything out and to keep going because I had to. I had no choice. Yeah. Um, and um, and you know, and I very often I just give myself over to the elements. Well, you know, if I'm going to die, at least. <laughs> at least it'll be while you know I'm on the trail. <laughs> Here, start with my arm. <laughs> okay, all right. So you get uh, you get onto the the gently s- sloping um, gravel road, and are you able at this point to kind of come come down a bit? Are you? Are oh you yeah, you know, and to... actually there was a race volunteer um, at what 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 would have been. Uh, an aid station, uh, but I think she was closing down. Um, and who told me, well, that, that I hadn't made the cutoff. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> I don't want to complete this. I'm done. And by the okay. way, I just saw two bear cubs and I think their mom was, <laughs> I think I had passed their mom on the way up. And the really funny thing was, um, you know, I get two different reactions from, uh, my different friends. One set of reaction is that, Oh, wow. That's so cool. You actually saw bears. I never see bears out in the wild. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Uh, <laughs> and then the other reaction I get is, um, I what? Bears? Wait, what? <laughs> you, no. Like, I, you shouldn't have been out there in the first place. Murder, you're black. You should not be out. You shouldn't be out in the woods. We don't do that. And it's your own fault if you if you got killed by a bear. It's your own fault. <laughs> Like I would have been, you know, UZNF, but I would have been DOA, dead on arrival. <laughs> <laughs> but you're Myrna. They know you. They know Myrna's the one who goes off in the woods. She's just, yeah. she's Myrna. Looking back on it, I did get to see bears really close up. Um, and the other thing is that, like, I didn't get attacked. <laughs> um, so, Myrna, your encounter with uh, with two bear cubs and mama bear were uh, were um adventurous to say the least did you learn did you learn anything from that experience that you've taken with you i definitely did um i the first thing is that um at that point in the race it was you know it was about 19 or so miles in i was completely exhausted completely spent um i think at that point we had done around nine, um, around, um, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 feet of elevation. Okay. Uh, at that point I had never ever done that type of elevation, uh, gain before. And it was really, I was really tired and really exhausted from just from work, but also from the race itself. And I didn't think I had anything in me left to give, but when I was confronted with that particular thing, um, I don't know where the energy came from. I don't know where the presence of mind 
came from. Um, I was also dehydrated because I'd run out of water. Mm. And um, I, because um, I hadn't refilled at the aid station because I thought, oh, I'm only two miles away. But you know, it was sure. all uphill. Right? Yeah. Uh, rookie mistake, but I wasn't a rookie. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I, I didn't know that I could dig that deep and have presence of mind, get it done, um, and continue to move and keep myself safe mm. um, in the in the face of that danger. When you had that moment of realization, the way that you broke it, it down for us, you said there had been this climax of, of adrenaline rushing through your veins. And after you got kind of through the shakes, everything became calm and quiet, right? And you were able Calm, to, quiet and absolutely clear. Yeah. And you were able to clearly discern kind of your activities for the next couple of minutes. Uh-huh. And from that, I think it sounds like you learned something about yourself where when you hit the end of your road, you're still able to find even another gear. There's another gear there. Even when your body pours adrenaline into your veins and you're chemically wound up. Uh-huh you can find that clarity and make yes. the right decisions to make a safe exit or to make make the right decisions to keep your body and your yourself in one piece, right? Yes, absolutely. I've definitely found that um, in subsequent races and other events that I've done where, where, where you think you have nothing left nothing left to give. No, <laughs> no reserve fuel, no, no anything. Uh, but there it is. You yeah. summon it up because you have to, and you don't have a choice. So you summon it up and it appears. And mm. then you utilize that to achieve whatever goal to get to the finish or, uh, whatever it is that you have to do, you do it again, because you are, you have no other choice but to. Hmm. I believe we've been created, and I believe that our creator made us in a very special way. What I'm hearing you tell me, um, it adds a whole lot of of um, respect to that process in my mind. I'm in awe of what a human is capable of, even when she's at her wit's end, when she's absolutely exhausted, mind, body, and spirit, and encounter something that's bigger than life. And you want to talk about new experiences. Myrna's, uh-huh. the, Myrna's the kind of gal who says yes to joining a field hockey team day of. Myrna's the type of gal who says, yeah, sure, I'll go to summer camp. I'm going to go to four weeks of summer camp. Myrna's the type of gal who says, yeah, I am, you know, I have two degrees uh, from a pretty prestigious conservatory i'll embrace the corporate world the way the world wants me to and subsequently says yeah that's not me i'm gonna go be a spanish teacher right this is the type of character who will absolutely embrace new experience full-on head-on and when she's encountered with something that scares the living hell out of her uh she finds a new way to cope she she's able to take what uh what tools she's been given and uh, properly address the situation. I think that's a cool, uh, just, it's a sweet story. Wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks for summar- summarizing it that way. I think, I think that really encapsulates uh, the way 
I try to live my life every day. Hmm. That's really cool. Um, so what, uh, Myrna, what would you say would be something that you could offer up to, uh, to our listening base with a story like yours? Yeah, sure. Um, you just got to jump in, uh, and not think about things too much. (laughs) I think the more you, the more you try to process something before it happens, the, I think the, the more likely you are to talk yourself out of it which is why I don't do a whole lot of research on the events that I'm going to do until like maybe the day before or the week before, as, as is the case with Trans Rockies, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, you don't want to psych yourself out. And, and I know that I can do that. I've, I've done that before. I've definitely uh, you know, thought too much about something and, and then psyched myself out <laughs> and then ended up not doing something. Um, and that's, that's not the way I like to live because they're, you know, what are you missing out on? There's so much that you're, that you could be doing. Um, if you just sort of, if you just dive into something head first, hmm. right, take your necessary precautions. <laughs> uh, always try to be safe. Always, you know, um, be self-reliant. Um, and then and jump in hmm. and do it. Myrna's not only a runner, but she's an ultra runner and an ultra runner means Myrna will, uh, will attack courses that are upwards of 26.2 miles. And she goes after 50K runs, uh, which are approximately 30 miles, 100K runs. And uh, she's currently training for a 120-mile, six-day, 20,000-foot in elevation gain race in the Rocky Mountains called the Trans Rockies Race. Um so Myrna is no stranger to, uh, to testing the body, um, both in mind and spirit. But um, one of the things that makes Myrna an inspiration to me is uh, that she does not fit the traditional mold of what you would think of, of an ultra runner. When most of us think of an ultra runner, we think um, sinewy, small-framed, maximum muscle definition, athlete with uh with very small features myrna is a woman that has uh, a very full figure and she is not ashamed to say it she is uh she is an inspiration to me because of of the the real reason why i found myrna is um i got lucky i found her on social media and i thought that is a big gal running and i i had to know more and come to find out, Myrna knows that as well. And she's got a blog called Fat Girl Running. Fat Girl Running. <laughs> um, naturally, I was uh, I was curious, so I dove in, dug in, and I see this girl doing things that I've never done. Myrna has done tough mutters. Myrna has run uh, how many how many fifty k races do you have under your belt, Myrna? Well. Ultras altogether is nine. Nine finishes. Um, so it's say eight 50k, like around 50k. So they're 50k and up. Uh, nine of them. Nine uh, ultras under her belt. And how many of those did you finish? Uh, all the nine. The nine ultras uh, are all ones that I finished. All I've finished. Started many more. <laughs> okay. All right. So included in in those nine, you've actually finished. All, all nine of those. That's fantastic. I have never even run a marathon. So that's impressive <laughs> to me. 
Um, have you actually finished a 100K race? I did. I finished um, the Havelina 100-100K race in October of 2015. Havelina race is, and that was about 60 miles? It's uh, just under 62 miles. That's incredible. In, out in Arizona in the desert with cacti. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> So, Talk about an adventure story. That's another one for another day. <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds like it. So um, part of part of what made Myrna just captivating to me is is her unrelenting ability to say, "There's no rules in this. I am going to go after this, and I am going to do it." And I just there's something to that that makes um, makes her story very courageous, and I, it really raised my my curiosity. So I'm so glad that she. Um, was willing to share, you know, an hour of her time with, with the adventure deficit community. But I just want the ad adventure deficit uh, community to see what I see in, in that, um, this world holds places for courageous people like Myrna to come out and do whatever it is that Myrna wants to do. And I think there's just something really cool there. So, um, she has, uh, a few things that, um, are, are still yet to uncover. And I, I just wanted to dive into some quick question and answer stuff. Um, Myrna, in your mind, um, what comprises a runner? When somebody says, oh, he's a runner or, oh, she's a runner, what does that mean to you? And what's, what's a runner defined in your book? That's a great question. Um, and it's a question that I get a lot. And there's a simple answer to it. A runner is somebody who runs. Simple enough. Uh, I like it. <laughs> Uh, if you run slow, you're still running. You jog, you're still running. Um, you know, running is technically when you when both feet are suspended in the air, even for a millisecond. And so that's what I do. I run. What's a successful race look like in your book? Um, for me personally, um, especially as I get into longer and longer distances, for me it's just finishing um, and knowing that I tried my hardest um, and that I did my best at preparing. Where do you draw your strength from? Oh, from lots of things. Um, mostly from the, the fact that I'm able to do what I do um, gives me, it centers me. It makes me think about others who can't do what I'm doing. You know, whether it's uh, because of some sort of physical ailment, whether it's because they don't have the emotional or mental strength to do what I'm doing. I always think about others and that kind of keeps me out there. Um, you know, and whether that person is in my family, uh, um, or not, um, I always am thinking, um, about others when I'm on the trail and I really, that motivates and inspires me, um, to celebrate the fact that I can move my body in the way that I do. Um, you know, and also, um, you know, being a role model for my son, I have a 14 year old son and, uh, and, and, and showing him that, you know, nothing comes easy. You have to work for it. Even if you love it, I'm trying to teach him that lesson in terms of basketball, <laughs> cause he's a, he's a basketball player. Okay, you know, cool. You have to work at it. You have to go to practice. You have to do stuff on your own. You have to have a plan. And if you have a disappointment, you have to be, you have to have coping skills to get over that. So, um, so those are, those are all things that, that keep me focused, keep me centered, keep me, um, motivated and inspired to, to keep on going. Cool. And also, 
Um, the other thing that gives me strength in the outdoors is the outdoors being in the outdoors itself. You draw that, energy you know, from that. Yes, absolutely. Um, there, you know, on days when I don't leave the house there, I have a different kind of energy. <laughs> uh, and it's not necessarily a good energy. Um, but on days where I can be outside for hours at a time, like when I'm coaching or when I'm on a hike or I'm uh, on a run or, um, those are the days that I'm happiest. Yeah. And I think we can all resonate with that. That makes mm -hmm. sense to all of us. Um, what are some books that you've been reading that you've, uh, that you've drawn knowledge from? I actually just started reading Grandma Gatewood's Walk <laughs> um, um, about uh, this woman in the 50s who set out on the Appalachian Trail and um, on her second try finished. Um, and she was in her 60s when she started. I believe she was 66. And, and she, she did the proved whole thing. to herself and to her family and to other doubters that she could do over 2,000 miles on her own. And I, and I am absolutely drawing inspiration from that as I, uh, as I prepare for my own adventure next week, actually. <laughs> yeah. So the, tr the Trans Rockies is next week. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Oh my God. Talk about terrifying. <laughs> um, uh, it, so, yeah, Trans Rockies, I am signed up to go tackle that stage race. Um, I've never done a stage race before. Um, I've never um, completed 120 miles in a week, <laughs> uh, whether it's for if, if it was for training or anything. I haven't, I haven't done that, that kind of distance, and I certainly have not done that kind of distance at altitude. So I have a whole lot of new things coming at me next week, but I'm, I am so excited. Um, I've been training uh, basically since February um, to be able to complete the mileage, to be strong. I've done a lot of strength training. I got a weightlifting coach, um, and I've been following um, very, very loosely Brian Powell's 100-mile um, um, race training. Um, and uh, even though it's a very different kind of race, I wanted my body to be able to, to handle um, the back-to-back -back days. So uh, <laughs> the first day is uh, 21 miles. Uh, and about 3,000 feet of ele elevation, which I think I can handle. But I don't know how my body's going to handle the altitude. So that'll be a completely new experience for me. I'll learn a lot about myself. <laughs> I'll have to have a lot of conversations with myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I already know that. But, uh, but I am really, really looking forward to this experience. And I'm also looking forward to being with people, being with other people that are similarly crazy. <laughs> <laughs> People who um, like to embrace yeah. the suffering. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, you know, and I love, I love camping, and I, and that's a big part of the race. Um, you know, after you do your mileage for the day, you're camping, you're hanging out, um, you're exploring the towns that you're in, and uh, and I love that. I love exploring. I love again meeting new people, being in new places, uh, finding out different ways to breathe. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I am in your corner. We are in your corner. We're, uh, we're eager to, to encourage you through that. And we wish you the very best next week and, uh, in the week preparing for that, uh, that huge adventure. Um, go, go Myrna. Yeah. We're Thank stoked you, for you. Um, <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to circle back with you and, and, and try and 
capture some of the highlights from that, but uh, let's just focus on prepping from from now on, right? Right, right. <laughs> Give us quick a, a brief overview on the race. What does it entail? Where does it start? Where does it end? And what are some of the towns that it carries you through? Sure, it's in uh, because I've just actually read the race guide <laughs> last night. Uh, it starts in Buena Vista, Colorado. Beautiful. Um, and I've, you know, I haven't spent much time in Colorado, so I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, and it traverses a bunch of mountain passes. <laughs> it goes over Hope Pass, uh, at some point you're in Leadville at some point you're, um, in Vail. And so I get to like see all these places on foot, which is really, really awesome. Um, and it ends up at Beaver Creek. Okay. Uh, a couple hours away from Denver and, um, Yeah. And each day is a different kind of race, different mileage, different elevation change, different altitude. Um, and yeah, some, some, uh, there's a 14 mile day and I looked at it, uh, my, my first look at it, I was like, oh, great. It's going to be 14 miles. I can do that. But then it's 4,000 feet of elevation. <laughs> I'm like, Great. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward mostly to seeing what my body can do, like what, how far I can push my body, how, how far it will go until it says no more, Myrna. <laughs> yeah. We're done or I'm done. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I always love traveling to that new territory uh, in body, mind and spirit. Myrna, what are some, some of the must haves as far as equipment that you, uh, that you take with you on every ultra race? On every ultra race that I can, uh, take them. I always take my poles. Trekking poles? My, uh, my trekking poles. Uh, yeah. I learned a lesson actually at double tap slash double top 50 K, uh, that in order to efficiently power hike up a steep hill, you need poles. Uh, and I didn't have poles at that race. And um, there was one part of the race where it was a uh, thousand feet of elevation on a, it was a power line cut. And uh, I, it took me 43 mile, 43 minutes to um, traverse a mile because I didn't have, I didn't have poles. So that's one thing that I never, ever forget. As far as footwear goes, are you a, uh, are you a firm believer in any one type of, of, shoe have you found your brand have you found your style and and do you stick with a certain type yes i uh i used to wear really heavy um stability motion control shoes because i thought that's what i needed because i'm a big girl but it actually oh. ended up that uh this was stronger my feet became uh the less stuff I needed on my shoes. So I actually, I wear Merrell's. I'm a Merrell global ambassador and I actually happen to love their shoes. Um, so on, in the last uh, year and a half or so, I've been um, using the Merrell Agility Flex shoes, uh, which I absolutely love. Um, they're sturdy, but they're also flexible. Um, and they drain water out immediately. So um, I, that's what I've been using for all of my um, racing over the past year, okay. past year and a half. So. Okay. And that actually, I mean, is that like a, is that a posted shoe? Does that have anything on the inside or is that a full on cushion shoe? It is, um, you know, it's, 
it doesn't have a whole lot of um, a whole lot of cushion. It's, no, it's got some some cushion. Um, it's a neutral shoe, um, and it's ergonomically designed so that I have space in the toe box okay. um, for my my feet to my toes to wiggle, to wiggle. around. Yeah. Um, and you know, as as you probably know, your your feet get swollen. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're when you're on the trail, so um, and as in, the more you um, the more you ingest calories and 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 hydration, your your body changes, and, and so it allows it allows for that change to occur without um, without you being uncomfortable. Awesome. Well, Myrna's got uh, Myrna's got a book that she's been working on. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and, and let us know what you're up to as far as uh, as far as your book project, your website, your blog, and uh, how any of our listeners might reach out to you. Sure. Um, in October, actually October first, my book, my memoir, called "A Beautiful Work in Progress." will be available. Um, <laughs> gets really exciting. And, you know, it's another thing uh, that will be a new experience for me. I have no idea how it will go with the release of the book, but um, I've been working on it for about a year. Um, I finished it in about four and a half months. That, that was the time that I was given <laughs> with my contract um, to write it. And so I wrote it last summer and edited, edited it for um, – you know, many, many different times, uh, over the course of four months after that. And so it's been, so we've been in, you know, closing the process and, and doing lots of PR and stuff for the book, um, with the publisher. And so, yes, October 1st, it is, it's, it's, a. I, I call it a body positive running memoir. Um, we have lots of running memoirs out there already, and um, and many of them, if not most, are memoirs of elite runners. Um, elite, and and that's great. We I think we need to glean inspiration from people who can do superhuman feats, uh, you know, which are elite runners. Um, but I also think um, people can um, be inspired and be motivated by like a normal person. <laughs> Um, I think I'm a normal person, uh, and I'm and I'm also um, I'm also representative of a lot of types of runners uh, nowadays. There are a lot of bigger runners out there. A lot of um, there are a lot of um, an increasing number of, of African Americans out there um, doing races. An increasing number of Latinos. Um, I'm half Latino, um, and uh, you know I think. I think people can learn a lot from my story, my stories. <laughs> there are lots of stories in the book. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully um, be inspired to go out and do something um, that they've always wanted to do or always wanted to try um, or introduce the, the notion of actually running um, even when you're not super skinny or skinny at all, <laughs> even when you're not the, you know, the typical, you know, white, thin uh, runner. Um, I want people to go out there and try something new and, um, and to be okay with it, to, to be okay with the newness and to be okay with maybe being an, an anomaly, um, <laughs> in a field of runners that don't look like you. Cool. So, um, and so I hope I told that story. Um, and also like, I really wanted to, uh, in the book, I really want to frame my own narrative. I've, I've had a lot of media coverage and, um, it is, it's always framed and well you know she's so fat and she runs so <laughs> um but I, I wanted to give a lot I wanted to give a background information I wanted to to 
to show people the, the beauty of my family, the beauty of my other experiences growing up, um, why I am the way I am today, and to, you know, and not to totally ignore the fact that I'm a big runner because that's that's why I achieved my notoriety anyway. Uh, but I, you know, I, I wanted to let people know that there's more to the story. Yeah. So cool. yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm a writer, so I've, you know, I've been writing for a long time. Um, and this was, this was a, a perfect opportunity to write about something that I loved, um, and to share my story with the most people possible. A writer, a mom, a teacher, an ultra writer, uh, or an ultra runner, <laughs> ultra rider, <too. laughs> ultra rider. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she'll do it all. She'll do it all. So uh, Myrna's book, a beautiful work in progress, set to come out this October, right, Myrna? Yes. Okay. Make sure you check that out. I'll throw that up in the show notes, and uh, you guys can go check that out online. Um, Myrna, your blog. Tell us a little bit about um, your blog and where people can find you online. Um, I have a blog called Fat Girl Running, um, and I started it in 2011 as a way to share my experiences in training for the Marine Corps Marathon, uh, which was my very first marathon. And uh, you know, I, did, I never really wrote in it very often, but you know, when I when I did write in it, um, it was you know really to you know to give people the lowdown of what it was like to be a larger runner um, and doing these races and, and doing various events. So, um, and that that's actually what <laughs> uh, what was uh, noticed by the media <laughs> in 2015. But uh, so I have that blog. Um, I actually don't write in it very often anymore because I have another writing job, which is um, with um, Women's Running Magazine. Oh, cool. So, Congratulations. Yeah, so I write for them. Yes. Uh, and uh, there's some cool, neat things coming out next month <laughs> um, that I can't say much about right now. <laughs> stay but, tuned, uh, right? Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I write for them twice a month. Um, I also do shoe reviews for trailandultrarunning.com which also has a Facebook group. Um, I am on Facebook as Fat Girl Running, one word, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter as The Myrna Vader. Uh, well, Myrna, you are an encouragement for many, myself to say the least, and uh, we wish you the very best with uh, both your upcoming race, the the Trans Rockies, uh, go get them, girl, and <laughs> your uh, your book. We, we wish you the most success with the release of your book. Um, and anything else that you decide to take on with a full head of steam, the Mernivator way, uh, we just wish you the best. So thanks so much for, uh, for carving out some time to spend with us this morning. And uh, we'll, we'll try and catch up with you uh, at a later time. Thank you so much, Drew, for having me on your show. Absolutely. Take care.